This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Ah, yes, it is time for Mariner's Pod. Welcome back once again. Thanks for being here, Gary Hill. As the Mariners had a very fun day in Baltimore yesterday, we have a lot to get to in this edition of the pod. We'll talk about yesterday, give you some of the highlights, some of the reaction. We'll also have a couple of guests we haven't had on before, which will be fun. Brandon Gustafson from 710 ESPN, the flagship station of the Mariners Radio Network. Brent Stecker, I think Brent's been on before, so he'll be on as well. We'll have a conversation about what we've seen so far in the early days of this Mariners season. And... Uh, what we saw yesterday was pretty great. It was a very interesting road trip. Of course, the Mariners took two or three from Minnesota, which was an excellent series win against a really good team. Then they go to Baltimore for four, and the weather was a problem, of course. The Mariners, a doubleheader on Tuesday. They split that doubleheader, winning the first, losing the second. Rains again it came on Wednesday, so that game was washed away. So a doubleheader yesterday against the Birds. Marco Gonzalez going in game one, looking to right the ship after a couple of uh, starts where he struggled. We just haven't seen the Marco that we're used to. Gave up a home run in the second, but after that, he really settled in and gave the Mariners a nice effort in game one of that ball game. And then Mitch Hanniger providing the punch once again. He continues to be outstanding early. The 1-1. Swing, and this is clobbered out to the gap. Left center field, drifting back and gone into the Mariners' bullpen. What a blast by Mitch Hanniger to tie this game in the fifth. Third home run this season by Mitch Hanniger, and we are right back where we started, 436 feet off the bat of Hanniger. He just continues to crush it, and he got a big one right there, and the Mariners weren't done offensively. J.P. Crawford, the one coming through late in the sixth inning. Pause the pitch. Swinging its rope. Fair ball, right field. Braden Bishop rounds third and is headed home. Mariners have taken the lead as Dylan Moore is now coasted home. Dylan Moore, a headlong slide, no throw home. J.P. Crawford, two strikes, two outs, top of the sixth. He has put the Mariners in front of the Birds. Four to two. So Marco goes five, allows just those two runs, a couple walks, five punch outs. Montero, Graveman, they finish the deal, and the Mariners take game one, four to two over Baltimore. Then in the nightcap, although technically the day cap, Justin Dunn was taking the start for the Mariners, walked eight his last time out, and he was much sharper this time around. He gave the Mariners. Really good five strong innings, five innings of work, a couple hits, one run, just two walks, and that was with a tight strike zone, so that should be said as well. And he fanned six along the way. And again, Mitch Hanniger providing some serious wallop in game two of the doubleheader. The 1-1. One, one. 
Swing, and this is absolutely destroyed. Mitch Hanniger going back into the Mariners' bullpen again. Hanniger has homered once more at Camden Yards. You just cannot get this guy out. He homers in both ends of the doubleheader and has given the Mariners a 2-1 lead in the fifth inning. Really, the play of the day for the Mariners probably came from Will Vest with Baltimore threatening in a one-run ball game. The former shortstop turned pitcher who has worked himself already into the good graces of Scott Service in some pretty high-leverage situations. He came up with a big play. The one-two. Swinging a ground ball right back to the mound. Vest has it. Throws to second. Crawford steps on the bag. And that does it for D.J. Stewart. Incredible work. Will Vest snares a low liner, and all of a sudden, there are two outs. So the Mariners with a 2-1 to lead. It was Middleton on to try and close out the deal, and he would do just that as the Mariners sweep the double dip. The stretch and the 1-2 pitch, swinging a chopper to the right side, taken by Middleton, underhand flip to first to White, and it's in time, and the ball game is over. The Mariners win the second game of the doubleheader 2-1. They sweep the doubleheader here in Baltimore. So the Mariners get both games. They take three of four from Baltimore. They took two of three from Minnesota. So an excellent road trip as they return home to take on Houston. We'll talk about that in a second. First, let's hear from Scott Service after the game yesterday. After the, I guess I should be specific, after the second game yesterday. Uh, heck of a road trip. Uh, it, was, it was really uh, outstanding pitching all day today. And the, the second game, I thought, uh, nice bounce back outing for for Justin Dunn. Uh, you know, str- struggled commanding the strikes on last time out today. You could see that was his uh, full focus was on uh, getting ahead of the count, getting right after him, very aggressive uh, with his fastball. And uh, plays good defense, uh, a couple homers. Uh, Mitch Hanniger uh, had a heck of a road trip. Really, really swings the bat well. Uh, he likes hitting in this ballpark, and uh, it certainly showed up here in this series. So um, great to get out of here with a sweep. It's really hard to sweep a doubleheader. It, it is, and I think about 80% of them end up in splits. Uh, didn't want that to happen today. Uh, we're fortunate enough we pitched and played defense and a couple timely hits and happy flight home. So take questions. Scott, did you could you tell with Justin right, right away that there was a different guy out there. It just seemed like the intent on the first pitch was to drive that fastball in and get strikes with it. No question. No question. He got hit over the head enough uh, between his last start and this one uh, from pitching coaches and kind of what we preach about. And that's going to be the key for all of our young guys, but especially him. He's got to stay after it and take your chances. You're going to give up a few hits, you know, maybe a home run here or there. That'll happen. But uh, beyond the attack, beyond the aggression, and we do that, Defense is on its toes. We make plays. It, the game has a nice tempo to it, and he threw the ball really well today. I was happy to see him bounce back. We're going to need him. And I think the one thing that doesn't get enough credit, our bullpen's been outstanding uh, on this trip. Our guys done a nice job, and we're starting to create uh, you know depth within our bullpen. Uh, it's not just the same one or two guys you can go to. Uh, and Will Vest, uh, what an unbelievable play that double play was today. He's some kind of athlete. Uh, catch that ball and turn around. But all the guys, all the guys in the bullpen, Keenan Middleton hadn't been out there. He was going to pitch today. He, he was the most rested. And lo and behold, he's out there with a chance to save the game, and he got through it. So uh, we're going to need all those guys down there to contribute, and, and they're really doing a nice job. Scott, you touched on the play uh, that Vest made, and I, I've been watching baseball long enough as of you to see that pitcher throwing that ball in the center field eight out of ten times. That's, that's a much tougher play 
really than than it than it looks at times, isn't it? With especially with momentum and everything. Yeah, you know, we noticed right away. Anytime you get a new player to the organization, like Will is, you know, he's a Rule Five pick, and you know, people talk about the the pitchers fielding practice, the, the PFPs that go on in spring training. The first thing I always look at is what kind of athlete are these guys when they're day two, day three of spring training when they're out there and they're running through those plays, and it was quickly you could see right away he's got no fear of throwing at the bases no i mean he's just real athletic he's in a good throwing position all the time you know he was a uh shortstop at one point and got converted so you know it's one of the things that stood out to me early on and it played out today uh that wasn't just like a reactionary like the ball just didn't jump in his glove i mean a heck of a play to catch that ball off the bat and then like you said to to complete the play with the throw to second uh as about as good as it gets at that point in the ball game critical critical play in the game Scott, when it comes to Justin, again, you kind of alluded to this a little bit, but, you know, we hear the phrase with pitching in general, trust your stuff a lot. How, how do you just reinforce it? I mean, it's one thing to say it, but he's obviously got to go out and earn that trust himself and build that confidence in himself. And it seemed like today I was obviously a, a pretty good step forward in that in that regard. Yeah, sometimes, you know, simpler is better. And, um, you know, we have all this information and all the data on how to attack the opposition and what pitches to throw and all this other things. Sometimes – you, you kind of need to step away from that. And it doesn't matter unless you can control the strike zone and trying to simplify things for, for Justin is what we're trying to do here. Cause he's got good enough stuff to get major league lineups out. He really does. So not get too caught up in, in all of the data and all the other stuff. You had to control the zone. He did it today and he gets a good result for it. So uh, good, good for him. And I thought Murph did a good job back there today too. A couple uh, mound visits, the communication between innings with him um, to not let him get away from his plan today. And it's really important uh, for young guys to stick with it and credit to Murph on that one. Now, why don't we hear from Mitch Hanniger after swatting home runs in both ends of the double dip? I've always liked hitting here. I think there's good, good sides. You know, it can be tough at times later on day game with some shadows, but other than that, um, yeah, it's a good ballpark. I mean, historic, and and I've always liked coming here. Mitch, can you sum up the road trip? I think you go, you guys go five and two. You know, you faced a good team and the, the Twins, and you really kind of took care of business. You look at this, the four games here, you probably could have won the fourth game as well. I mean, how could you sum up the road trip? Yeah, I thought, I thought we played great. You know, played played great, pitched really well. Um, bullpen threw ball really well here in Baltimore. And, um, you know, got enough. Run. I know a lot of close games here, but got enough to, to get the W. And, um it's been good. Um, been fun to play. It's been fun the clubhouse. We just got to keep this going. You guys' ability to come back in games. You saw it first game, and then you saw it throughout the road trip. I mean, where do you think that stems from? And can you continue that, or would you like to maybe get ahead a little bit and not always have to fight back all the time? So it's good to come out um, swinging and, and get a good lead early in the game. But um, I think good teams find a way to win. And and uh, yeah, we've had a lot of comeback wins. And I just think that. It's credit to our lineup and um, JD and Lake do a really good job preparing us, you know, for for guys coming in as well as a starter and uh, just grinding out of bats. You know, I'm sure never been a reliever before, but I'm sure it's it's tough to come in and just be pinpoint with your stuff. So as a hitter, you just got to be ready for mistakes and and, and swing good pitches. The contributions seem to be up and down the lineup, which ideally is what you want. Um, realistically, that doesn't always happen. You guys will get an opportunity here probably at the first part of next week to bring Kyle Lewis back into the mix. What will his presence do, especially with the guys who are already in the lineup and swinging it well, like you, Kyle, Ty? What does that do? I know it lengthens the lineup, but for, for you, what, what will his presence bring? 
Yeah, I think you're exactly right. Just lengthens the lineup. Uh, another great hitter. Um, you know, we're excited to have Caleb back. It's going to really help us. And, you know, um, hopefully we get him back sooner than later. And, and you know, I think we're going to have a pretty pretty deep lineup once, once he gets back in there. Did you play, I think, 14 innings both? You know, you have a day in between, but it's a lot of time out there. How did you feel physically from playing like that? I mean, this is a different kind of than a nine and half a day off. I felt good. Um, you know, the rain – the rainouts help, you know, it's, it feels like a day off. So they help, you know, and especially two sevens is, I think it's a lot easier on these and the guy, the position players, as well as um, guys in the bullpen, you know, two nines can be pretty, pretty long at times. And um, yeah, that definitely helps us out. We've kind of seen you drive all the ball all over the place. I mean, the other day you had the ball hard to right center, you know, two balls to left center. Where do you feel like you're at with your swing and your approach right now? I feel good. Um, still working on some things, still trying to find that right timing with my hand, my hands, but um, it's been good so far. And, you know, for me, my swing is always kind of a work in progress and um, always looking to improve. And yeah, right now I'm just trying to hit off the fastball and, and uh, swing good pitches. And, and I'm happy with, with how the last couple of days have went and just got to keep building off that. It just sort of seems like uh, the leadoff spot is so well fit for you because pitchers are certainly trying to pound the strike zone. They don't want to put the leadoff guy on. And with you being aggressive and having good plate coverage, um, it just seems like a match made in heaven. And you must be, are you enjoying this again? Yeah. I mean, I love hitting leadoff. I love hitting at the top of the order. So, um, you know, wherever, wherever Skip feels like, you know, our best chance to win to put me, I'm all for it. And I've always enjoyed, I hit a lead off a little bit in the minor leagues and I've always enjoyed it. And uh, it's been good. So there was the Mitch Hanegers. The Mariners turned their attention to the Houston Astros tonight. This is going to be a tough homestand. The Astros and the Dodgers coming in. This weekend series against Houston is going to be pretty interesting. Tonight, Yusei Kikuchi will take the ball. 7-10 first pitch. Jose Urquidy will go for Houston. Saturday, 6-10 first pitch. Flexen against Granke. And then Sunday at 1-10. Mariners have not announced the starter for that ball game. Jake Odorizzi. We'll go for Houston in that one. It's been a weird start to the Astros for this year. Uh, they just stomped on Oakland to start the season, but since then they've struggled. They've lost five in a row. Meanwhile, Oakland's won five in a row. So Houston is 6-6 six and six on the season, and we're not exactly sure what the Astros are going to look like coming into this series against the Mariners. They had to place five players on the COVID IL Jose Altuve, Alex Bregman, Martin Maldonado, Jordan Alvarez, you know, four starting position players, which they could, one or all or none, could be activated at any point during this series. So we're not exactly sure what the Astros are going to look like in this three-game set, but it should be a very interesting series. The Mariners, of course, taking care of business on the road, two of three against Minnesota, three of four against Baltimore. Now an interesting series against the Houston Astros. Should be a fun one. So we'll get a chance to talk all about it coming up on Monday, see how the Mariners did against the Houston Astros. In the meantime, we're going to have a very fun conversation, Brandon Gustafson and, and Brent Stecker from 710 ESPN, as we get their thoughts from what they've seen so far this season. It's funny, this time of year, it's so tricky. It's like the only baseball we've seen, so it's really exciting. Yet in the course of a, a season, it's really hardly anything, so it's hard to analyze anything. But given that, you know, we could short sample size, small sample size, everything. But given that, just kind of your general impressions of what you've seen so far from this young season. Uh, I'll start. Um, 
I'm definitely pleasantly surprised as far as like, I'm usually an optimistic guy when you go into the Mariners season and you're seeing a lot of the things that I think you want to see. I mean, if they're going to be hovering around 500 and you're waiting for guys like Jared Kelnick and Logan Gilbert to show up, that's, that's where they need to be. Um, they're, they're doing what they need to do at the plate for the most part. I think they've been uh, very impressive against relief pitching, not so much against starting pitching. And that's something that is going to, you know, we're going to have to keep an eye on throughout the rest of the season. I am one thing that I am just super excited about with this team is what we've seen from Yusei Kikuchi in his first two starts, because I'm somebody who kind of this whole off season, I've been pounding the table of like, please stop looking at ERA. Please stop looking at whip. Look at the actual, look at the more advanced numbers for this guy. I think his fielding independent pitching was like three, five. If he would have qualified for innings, he would have been a top 20, 25 pitcher in all of baseball last year under that qualifier. And he's gone out and he's just been great. I, it was awesome to see the stuff tick up last year in the short season after his rookie season in 2019, but he's just going out and he's in attack mode. He's still staying in that mid to upper nineties fat small, uh, and the, the cutter slider, whatever you want to call it. I mean, that's going to play to both, to both sides of the plate. It's really exciting to see him go out and just be willing to trust his stuff and attack the zone. That first start, especially against the Giants, was just absolutely electric. And seeing him go forward and take that next step to potentially being a front-of-the-rotation type arm like they thought with guys like Marco Gonzalez and those prospects that you have waiting in the wings, that's really exciting. And that's a huge, huge piece for this team as they look to take that next step towards contention. I think you're absolutely right. I especially think in context now without Paxton for the rest of the season. And it's interesting, I think, to follow Kikuchi and Dunn because the conversation is similar, but in different ways. Because last year you look at Kikuchi under the hood, as you pointed out, there was a lot to love about what he did last year. It didn't show up you know, on the counting stats and, and the surface numbers, but we've seen it so far in the first couple starts. Dunn was kind of the opposite. The surface numbers were better. There were some... Uh, there's some issues below the hood. So now we're going to see how he develops. And of course it doesn't hurt that his fastball looks phenomenal, but we'll see how that develops. And again, without Paxton, it's going to be a big key for them. Yeah. With Justin Dunn, especially like you noted, it's totally an inverse with Yusei Kikuchi, right? I think he was four and one with like a four, three ERA. So on the surface, you know, looking at like the back of the baseball card type numbers, you're like, yeah, okay. That's a solid rookie season, but Really, I think even Scott Service over the offseason kind of said, you know, he made his 10 turns in the rotation, but there's a lot to work on. It seems like he really took that in stride, reshaped his body. And like you noted, the fastball, seeing the extra life on that was especially key in that first start. Hopefully he's able to uh, build off of that a little bit. He, he still had the struggles with throwing strikes. I mean, you can't walk eight guys when you're in the bigs as a starting pitcher. But the in terms of the pure stuff, you know, there's a lot to be excited about going forward. Brent, when I look at this team, the thing that struck me, it really struck me from spring training till now, just watching Mitch Hanniger play on the field and the difference maker he is for this team and the game changer he is for this lineup. It's hard to put in the words, the difference that he makes for this team. Yeah, that was one of the things that was a really big question for me because, you know, everybody talks about him being out of the game for a year and a half or so. But you also have to think about, 2019 was pretty rough for him before the injury even came. And he had some, some issues, I think with his approach at the plate. And I was uh, keeping an eye on, you would see a lot in 2019. He was just trying to reach out for everything and poke it over the left field wall. 
And this year you still see him kind of doing that, but the plate coverage is so much better. He's figuring out how to, how to do that and to uh, take advantage of mistakes, get, get to pitches like that that are out and over the plate, but he's still going the other way when he needs to, like uh, in the doubleheader against Baltimore, I think he had one off the wall that was to right field. And uh, he had a big hit in uh, the comeback in, in Minnesota that was up the middle. So that's very promising. I mean, he looks great in the leadoff spot. He seems like the perfect leadoff guy for the Mariners. He's just such a professional hitter. He's going to work the count when he needs to. Uh, and then the defense is like, that's maybe the one thing where you think, okay, the injuries are going to result in him not being the same player he was defensively, almost like it was with Franklin Gutierrez. That's not been the case. He's been making sliding catches all over the place. He's still got his arm. So just having him around as, as kind of a lead by example guy seems like a really big deal for the Mariners right now. Yeah, the bullpen's an interesting piece too, Brandon. Do you have any thoughts on what you've seen so far? Just what you've seen so far and playing the scenario out with some of the arms we've seen, what things you think will look like, I don't know, the, a few weeks from now, a month from now? Yeah, I've been pleasantly surprised. Honestly, uh, I, I'm i a huge Anthony Masevich fan. It was sad to see him go on the IL the other day. Hopefully that's not any sort of long-term thing because it, it's been so cool to see him go from this like 16th round selection or whatever he was, kind of a fringe starter reliever type, into this go-to left-handed pitching arm that's just busting cutters in on right-handed pitchers, on right-handed hitters' hands and away from lefties and stuff. It's so cool to see him be able to go and attack both sides of the plate Rafael Montero, you know, he's had a few hiccups with the blown saves, but overall he's thrown the ball really well. Scott service said he has starting pitching stuff. He has three plus pitches, mid nineties, fastball, good changeup slider that really breaks away hard and tight to right-handed, uh, right-handed hitters. But man, Kendall Graveman seeing that transition into a full-time reliever. We saw the stuff tick up last year in those few outings after he had the IL stint, but you never know what it's going to be like when a guy actually goes into that role full-time. Some pitchers just really don't want to be relief pitchers. You know, they've been a starter their whole life. That's a completely different mentality. He's taken that in stride. That first outing he had against, against San Francisco, that was electric. He got all five of those strikeouts with the slider that was his third pitch when he was a, when he was a starter, he was a sinker ball changeup type. And now he's developed this hard breaking slider cutter, whatever you want to call it. Um, and it's just been fantastic to see, but like you said, the future of the bullpen, Andres Munoz, man, that guy's coming up. He, he you know, he's going to get ready and he's going to be here at some point that that trade with the Padres, you know, you get Ty France, Taylor Trammell, Luis Torrens, all these guys are contributing right away, but Andres Munoz has the ability to be the best reliever on that on that club. He's only 22 years old, hundred mile an hour fastball, that tight breaking slider. I mean, he, he has a chance to be what Edwin Diaz was to this team in terms of just this high octane arm that can come out there and get big outs and key moments. It's going to be really exciting to see, but after the kind of hiccups that the bullpen had the last two years, it's been cool to see some of those veterans kind of stabilizing that for the time being. Pretty wild to think about that trade and look at it on most days. All three of those guys are in the starting lineup at the same time, just a, a half a year after the trade is made. That's pretty remarkable. Yeah, Ty, Ty France is the guy that you're going to start with just because he's the most established of the three. He's going to be the guy that no matter what is going to be in the lineup. You know, Mitch Hanniger's playing right field a lot, but he's having some DH time, so they have to find ways to – get France in the lineup. And so far we've seen that results in Dylan Moore uh, moving out to the outfield, Ty France playing some second base. We've seen him. He's a natural third baseman, but Kyle Seager isn't going to want to take days off even in the field. He can play some first base for you too, but that's been a lot of fun. Taylor Trammell, someone who, even though the, res the early results haven't been great, 
oozes potential. And we saw that in the Minnesota series, especially, I mean, he destroyed that baseball in that second home run. That thing was absolutely crushed. And Luis Torrens is someone who you might look at and say, okay, that's a backup catcher. He's one of their better hitters this year and service isn't afraid to hit him four or five. It's not necessarily the longest lineup right now as they wait for Kyle Lewis to get back and healthy and for Jared Kelnick to make his eventual debut. And then you figure he's going to be an everyday guy, but shows a lot about what they think with Luis Torrens with them wanting to either DH him while Tom Murphy catches or vice versa. They want that bat in the lineup. It says a lot about what they think about him. And I guess, Brent, when I look at this season so far, the most encouraging part for me is it, you know, they're above 500. Uh, they've taken you know a series against Minnesota on the road, and it's not like everything has gone to script, right? I mean, you've had Paxton go down already with injury. Marco, his first two starts, has not been Marco-like. We haven't seen Kyle Lewis yet. You know, there's this list of things that haven't gone exactly <laughs> the way you'd want it to so far. Yet here they are battling in ball games and holding their own so far. Yeah, um, something that I wrote about right before the season started was the top X factors for the Mariners. And I actually put it out to Twitter a few days before. And I was like, who do you think is the biggest X factor for this team? And it was like literally everybody on the 26-man roster eventually got, got mentioned at some point. And that's, and that's kind of why during the offseason, everybody wanted them to add more and more. And I was like, well, there's so many, that they, so many players that they still need to figure out exactly who they are. Um, and that's the promising thing about the start of this season is that some of those X factors are starting to show that they might be something. Um, but then also my three X factors in that story were Ty France, James Paxton, and Raphael Montero. Well, uh, that's basically one, one, and one as far as win-loss tie, <laughs> as far as the season is going. But yeah, I mean, it, it just looks pretty good, especially with France. I really like uh, the potential that he has to be a long-term piece for the team as a kind of player that they haven't really had in a long time. Uh, it's not really the right thing to say to compare somebody to Edgar Martinez, but man, that guy has a lot of like similarities to Edgar Martinez as far as his skill set and as far as his makeup as being a guy who was picked late in the draft. You know, Edgar wasn't a draft guy, but you know, he wasn't a, a highly talented prospect by any means. And then he just ended up being one of the best hitters of all time. And Ty France has got a little bit of that. He's got a little bit of Tony Gwynn, who was his coach in college. I mean, just seeing how he hits this year already, it's, it's amazing. It really is. Aaron and I were talking about this at one point because you look at his production, like in college, it's like, how was this guy not more well thought of going into the draft? You know what I mean? His production was incredible. He's hit everywhere he's gone, but he's never been a prospect guy. Yeah. And it's funny. That's, that's kind of what Tony Gwynn was too. I just watched a, a MLB network documentary on Tony Gwynn. He was playing basketball. He had just given up on baseball and then he showed up one day to practice. And it turns out that, Oh, this guy's probably going to hit 400 in college. So, Brandon, I'm curious. This is a tough homestand coming up, obviously. you got the Astros, mm -hmm. Dodgers. I'm curious, as we start to get in the division, have you seen anything from the division so far that maybe has changed some of your thoughts coming into the season, or is it still too early? Part of it's too early, but I, I think that a lot of people wrote off the Astros way too early. The demise of the Astros last year and this offseason was just greatly exaggerated. Yes, losing George Springer for any team, that, that's a huge loss. That's a guy at the top of your lineup that could start off the game first pitch with a home run. You have a 1-0 lead. He did that regularly to the Mariners throughout his tenure with the Astros. We saw that up close and personal a lot. I think that they're a team that 
if they can kind of get their, I, th- I think their starting pitching is better than expected, but obviously you're not going to have Justin Verlander for the whole season as he underwent Tommy John. Lance McCullers has that number one type potential. And we've seen that, especially on big stages in the world series and in the playoffs, but he's somebody who needs to prove he can be healthy, stay healthy for a full season. I'm a little surprised that the A's kind of scuttled uh, out of the, out of the box there. And the Angels, that lineup is just, <laughs> it's been ridiculous so far. And Shohei Otani is showing that he can do the two-way thing like nobody thought he could really. That guy is a freak of nature, man. Seeing him, he hit 119 miles an hour off the bat the other day, and he's going out there and he's throwing 101. It's like, who is this guy? This is like a creative player in a video game or something like that. It's just unbelievable to see. Uh, so I, I think that the Angels, if they're another team, kind of like the Astros, where that lineup is so good, if they can just get adequate starting pitching, and maybe that's something that they're able to add at the trade deadline if they're in contention, especially with the A's kind of starting off slow out of the gate. They're a team that could surprise some people, especially when you have the two wildcard teams. That's a team that if you're facing them in a one-game playoff and you're staring down Mike Trout and Shohei Otani, that's not a lot of fun. No, you're so right on that. I mean, I think starting pitching is going to be a key for all teams, just given the circumstances. But, man, especially in the AL West, when you really break down every rotation. I mean, it, starting pitching, are, I think, is going to make or break teams as we move through this thing. Well, especially when you just come off the heels of a 60-game season, right? The Mariners are definitely taking that slow ramp up where they're willing to do the six-man rotation, even when you lose a guy that was as important to this rotation as James Paxton is. You, they're still taking the kind of cautious, optimistic approach of, hey, we're going to do this six-man rotation. We're going to build our guys back up, especially with having all those young arms. But for some of those teams that are trying to go out, they're going to compete for a playoff spot or uh, potentially a World Series a team like the A's and a team like the Astros, who's been there and done that for so many years. They really need to have that five-man rotation and have those guys kind of set in stone going forward. So, yeah, it's kind of it's really interesting to see how the Mariners are handling this season with their starting pitching versus the rest of the division and really just the rest of baseball as a whole. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting story to watch play out, no doubt about that. So uh, tell everyone where's the best place to find you and what you have up right now. So uh, we're at 710sports.com. We've got tons of Mariners coverage led by Mariners insider Shannon Treyer And uh, Brandon and I kind of fill in. Uh, we're trying to get takeaways up in the middle of the week and uh, kind of the, the table center at the beginning of the week. And you can also find us on Twitter. I am at Brent Stecker. Yep. And I am at the, the B Gustafson uh, because Brandon Gustafson is too long for Twitter to handle. Unfortunately, I think it's like one or two letters too long. So yeah, follow us on Twitter. We're always watching and uh, tweeting about the games and all that. We try to get a bunch of posts up every week. The station has Scott Service and Jerry DePoto on each week. We always get stories out of that. So make sure to check out 710sports.com for all of the latest updates. Did you think about changing your first name to just brand just so you could <laughs> on Twitter? Well, after Game of Thrones, um, my girlfriend started calling me brand more. <laughs> she even photoshopped my head onto brand <laughs> for, for my contact photo. So yeah, maybe we'll do that at some point. <laughs> Guys, uh, we should do this often during the course of the season. This was fun. I encourage everyone to follow you guys. It's great. Uh, you're riding on 710sports.com. Great follows on Twitter. And thanks uh, for the time here. We'll do it again soon. Awesome. Thanks, thanks so Gary. much, Gary. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. 
I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. 